This is the Elevate Podcast, where trial lawyers learn, share, and grow. Let's talk about how we can elevate our trial practices, law firms, and lives. And now, here are your hosts, coming to you from coast to coast, trial lawyers, Ben Gideon and Rahul Ravipudi. Today's episode of the Elevate Podcast is being brought to you by Smart Advocate. Smart Advocate is award-winning case management software used to manage personal injury, medical malpractice, MDL, class action law firms all over the United States. Great program, highly recommend it. Check them out at smartadvocate.com. Today's episode is being brought to you by Expert Institute. Expert Institute is the place to go for everything involving experts to help you win your case. Check them out at expertinstitute.com. And today's episode is being brought to you by Hype Legal. Hype Legal is a one-stop shop for all of your digital marketing needs. Check them out at hypelegal.com. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm Rahul Ravipudi. And I'm Ben Gideon. Ben, I'm looking forward to seeing you in about 45 days at the PSBR Trial College out in Marina del Rey. Yeah, I'm so excited to come out and do that with you, Rahul. Just for a plug for the TLU conference, I'm going to be teaching a breakout room in medical malpractice cases. I'm hoping to recruit eight or 10 students who want to come and workshop their cases with me and kind of work them up from beginning to end and get them ready for trial. So um, really psyched to do that and also to attend. I'm going to go to your seminar, Rahul, so I can learn more about... Uh, you're teaching voir dire, right? I am. Yeah. Talking about voir dire and talking about how to eliminate comparative fault in cases. So a couple of oh, different topics. That would be great too. Are you doing that on your own? Or are you, you co-teaching with Sonia again or what? Co-teaching with Paul Trena and Ian Sampson from my office, and I believe Tom Schultz uh, on the other one. We can put a link to uh, TLU on our, our podcast site, so if people want to sign up and come to your seminar or mine or anybody else's, they can find it there at elevate.fm or elevate.net. The other thing we're doing is we're going to be doing a live in-person. Ben and I have been cross-country for every single podcast so far. But since we're going to be together at the PSBR Trial College, we're going to be doing some live and in-person podcasts together, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that should be great. I, I imagine it's somewhat of a different dynamic with everybody in the room together, but um, I think that'll be really fun. And there's some amazing lawyers that'll be there. So we kind of have uh, our pick of the litter there. No, it'll be great. Well, we're really happy today to have Pratik Shah founder of Esquire Tech and uh, recently the associate director of PSBR. Welcome, Pratik. Thank you, Rahul. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, welcome and great to meet you. So tell us just a little bit about yourself and your journey, Pratik. How did you, how did you decide to become a lawyer? You, you started your own firm and then started a software company focused on on discovery for for litigation purposes. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. You know, I graduated school, started at the DA's office, was able to get in and, and do some trial work, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed my time there. But as you mentioned, I then decided to start my own firm. 
doing mainly personal injury. And in the process of doing that and being a solo, you know, what you realize is there's just a lot of work to do as a single person. Had a bunch of cases in litigation because that's what I enjoy doing is litigating cases. And I'm sitting there doing discovery and it's a nightmare. And it's not a nightmare just because I'm getting answers from the clients and stuff like that. That's fine. You got to talk to your client. You got to learn about the case. But I would be literally spending two to three hours copying and pasting questions from a PDF to a Word document and then going back and forth on email with my client trying to get answers and then copying and pasting objections back and forth from old discovery that I've done, which I'm pulling my hair out thinking there's got to be a, you know, a better way. This is just a nightmare of a process. And so the first, you know, step to that, the first solution that I think everybody thinks of is let me hire somebody and make them do it. But people are expensive uh, when you're running a practice. And also it's just a matter of people are more skilled. Nobody should be doing that. Like nobody should be spending their time copying and pasting. And that's when I got the idea of, of having a computer do it. And that's where Esquire Tech was born. And so what the program does, as you guys know, is, is it helps create the documents for states that use pleading paper. It helps automatically create the documents. So you don't have to do it by hand. It'll then send a client a text message and an email link so they can answer the discovery questions right on their cell phone on their own time. And then as the answers come back in, there's an objections button. And a list of objections come up that you can customize. So instead of having to copy and paste objections from old discovery, it's all in the system. Everybody's got uniform objections and we just roll right through discovery and get it done faster. Wow. that That's actually genius. I can't believe nobody thought of that before. Yeah. I mean, thanks, Ben. That's really nice of you to say. And, and you know, I hear that all the time is I can't believe nobody thought of it before. And I just thank them for not thinking of it before. So I get to build it, which is a lot of fun. You know, I searched for years for a solution because this was just like, I would throw any amount of money at this problem and it didn't, a solution didn't exist. So then I, you know, I figured might as well build it. We actually used Esquire Tech and st- had started using it about maybe eight, eight months ago or a year ago. And it really is a game changer. It saves so much time. And like everything in, in law and the practice, we all get used to the way we used to do things. And sometimes it's hard to actually convince people to switch to a new method, telling them and convincing them, hey, this is actually easier and is going to save you a lot of time. And half our firm did it immediately. And they just saw the light and go, I just can't believe we didn't have an option like this earlier. Thank you. And then the other half said, I'm, I haven't tried it yet, but we're really efficient the way we are. Can you please try it? That's about right for every law firm. (laughs) But then when they actually tried it, the people who were resisting, they then reached out and they said, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was resisting. This is just so much easier. Because what it does is when it actually scans, especially the special, actually any type of uh, discovery, then you as the lawyer or as the paralegal or legal assistant can then click on each question that you actually need a specific client response from. And then it'll text the client a message. And then that client can just respond on their phone, on their computer, and type the answer back. And then it shows up right on the screen and you can continue to to adjust and improve upon those responses and finalize them once you get them back. So it's just such an efficient way to interact and 
maybe more of a 2020s way to communicate. And how is that made available? Is that a subscription-based product or are you paying per case or how does that work? Yeah, great question. I mean, I feel like we've priced it very competitively. It's $300 a month for your firm and you can just run as much discovery as you want. There's no there's no limit on it. You know, we really, in running my own firm before I joined Panache Boyle Ravaputi, I really got tired of software companies that did per user license fees because as I hired people or people quit or whatever it may be, having to buy a license, re cancel a license, and then it's just such a nightmare. And then when I'm budgeting for software, trying to figure out exactly how much I'm spending, it always gets messed up because I have to figure out who needs to use it, who doesn't need to use it. And so that was a big point of contention for me in starting this was that that was important. Me and the, I have a co-founder who's my CTO. We went back and forth for a while on that, but we landed on, let's just do it this way for now. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years we'll change, but it's something I feel pretty strongly about to not have the per user stuff. Now, do you have a technical background? Me? No, zero. I don't know anything about computers. I have a CTO who does everything. I mean, I'm telling you, I know a little bit, you know, sure. I know a little bit, but nothing like what my CTO's background is just really incredible. I'm, I'm blessed to have him. He's uh, been in the industry for 20 plus years. He's the former president of Novatel Wireless, uh, a company that he took public and helped take that valuation to 800 million. Right now, I'm sitting on this little MiFi jetpack, which gives me a little hotspot. That's actually his patent. He's got about 40 patents under his name. And so I'm kind of like an orangutan. I'm like, hey, I want this document to turn into this document and then text the client. He's like, okay, I'll do that. And he comes up with this beautiful platform. I'm like, thanks, man. This is amazing. So if, if we want to check that out, how do we find that? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Ben. Um, EsquireTech.com. Esquire, Esquire like lawyer, T-E-K.com. There's videos on the site. You know, we know that people kind of learn in different ways. Some people like to watch videos. Some people like one-on-one kind of demo. Some people like to read. So we have it all available on our website. If you want to request a demo, we can do a demo. There's videos that show you what the program does. There's an FAQ section that that answers questions. So I understand, like, it's such a new product. There's really no competitor out there. And it's just a different way of doing things. What Rahul said is so correct in that so many lawyers are, are resistant because they feel that they're efficient. And it's almost sometimes like they take it as an attack on them. Like, I'm telling you, you're not efficient, but I'm not. I'm just saying, like, maybe this will help. But some a lot of lawyers are resistant. So... They're very cautious to see it. But once they see it, the reaction you guys had is the reaction we get all the time, which is how have we been doing it the old way? What a nightmare to not do it this way. And it's been fun to see lawyers. And we've had some lawyers. I mean, I had a firm that was out in Orange County or excuse me, out in Riverside County in California that the principal attorney was probably in his 80s. And I did the demo for him. And I'm like, there's no way this firm signs up. There's just no way. I just don't see it happening because the person's got to be set in their ways. And maybe that's me being biased there, but I was wrong. I mean, they had signed on the next day, they adopted it, their whole firm uses it. And I'm like, well, well, you know, there you go. Like, even somebody who's been successful and has been doing it for 40 plus years can change and understand that, hey, this is something that's better. Well, the real test in my office will be if the paralegals like it. That's it. They're going to love it. I'm telling you that this is a Christmas present for the paralegals. It's like, it's 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 really ridiculous. Are you uh, active in all 50 states? Does Esquire Tech work everywhere? 
we are now active in 10 states and and we're we're trying to get in all 50 states as soon as possible. We had a goal of end of 2022, but we might not meet that. It might be early 2023. And the reason is because every state's just a little bit different. California, Nevada, they use pleading paper. Washington state uses pleading paper, but Texas, Tennessee, which we are live in, Florida, which we are live in, um, don't use pleading paper. So the module is just a little bit different. The objections are a little bit different. The case law is a little bit different. Some states use verifications like California. Some states require a notary. Some don't. Some states call it a proof of service. Some call it a certificate of service. So, you know, just those little nuances from state to state just kind of delay the process of launching in each new state. But what we like to do is we like to find like a reputable firm, a reputable firm in a particular state to partner with that can provide us with the proper documents. In exchange, we do like a pilot program where they get to use it for free for a little bit. And what that allows us to do is make sure that when we do officially launch in a state, that it's actually being done the right way and we're not getting you know, complaints or we're not getting people canceling because they're saying, hey, this doesn't work for me. This is just all wrong. Yeah, you know, you don't think about how, how many different nuances there are to discovery practice, but as you started to catalog them, you realize that there are a lot of uh, differences state to state that are, you know, you'd think that that would have been kind of uniform over time because some of them seem quite silly, like the whole pleading paper thing. I never really understood what, why that exists. <laughs> I mean, in the old days with, you know, mimeograph or something, maybe, but now it just makes zero sense to have that. But I know there are many states that still preserve that. Is that not in Maine, Ben? No, we don't have that in Maine. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so used to it, but I've never actually thought about the genesis of it, other than I thought it was there to make sure that you can never line up your, your words <laughs> with the actual numbering. Yeah, that took forever to get right. Like, I don't think anybody's going to ever appreciate, and I tell people all the time, I know how particular I was about making sure the number lined up to where the words were. And in development, it took way more time than it should have for those to line up perfectly. That was my one contribution to the engineering side was, no guys, it has to be like perfect. You don't understand. And what about federal court? Is that uh, pretty uniform? So that works in all uh, across all states? Yeah, great question. Federal is fully live and we have a lot of attorneys that use us. Uh, we were recently at the NACA conference, National Class Action. I don't know what it stands for, but the Class Action Conference and Rave Reviews, one of the firms out here in Orange County that does a lot of class actions, and they're in 17 states. They're the ones that helped us get live in, uh, get our federal module up and running. So we're grateful to them for supporting us in that sense. And so federal is ready to go. The objections are in there. So any federal court or anybody that practices in federal court in any state, you're good to go. I imagine this would be enormously helpful for class action and MDL cases where you've got you know, thousands of plaintiffs and need to do all that discovery. Yeah, and plaintiff fact sheets for mass torts, you can use Esquire Tech and then use that to communicate and get those done with your clients where they're asking for the same and consistent information. So it's uh, definitely customizable there too. Even at PSBR, Page over there has been using it to help with the mass tort plaintiff fact sheets. So just taking a step back, it sounds like starting your own firm, you started to appreciate some of the inefficiencies and that's S-Square Tech came about. 
just from that perspective of being a firm owner and operator, I imagine that's not the only inefficiency you've seen with the practice of law. Yeah, there's a ton. And, you know, we actually ran a survey before we launched Esquire Tech or before we got deep into development, because you're right, there's just so much inefficiency in the legal practice that we wanted to make sure that we were going after the part that we felt was the most inefficient. And th- and that's what we found when we asked over 100 paralegals and lawyers, what do they spend their time on in a case? Surprisingly, over 70% said they spend most of their time on a litigated case on written discovery. And they're spending up to two to three hours just getting the document ready for pleading paper states, which is just insane to think about how much time is wasted there. But yeah, I mean, there's so many things that can be templated and there's so many things that can be automated in, in the practice of law. I mean, just little things like when we do our motions to compel or when we do our, you know, any, any motions at all, we should have captions that just automate. Some, some case management softwares have that where the captions automate and everything gets lined up perfectly. There's just, you know, the list goes on and on. If, if we could, if we, we'd have all day, if we sat here and talked about all the inefficiencies in the way law firms operate, I mean, just simple things is, I think there's been a lot of resistance to communicating with clients via text message, but at the end of the day, if, if we care about our clients and we want to do what's easiest and best for them, texting is how people communicate these days. It's how we all communicate, right? It's how we set up these podcasts and say, hey, let's join at 6 a.m. Or if we all want to go to dinner, we're texting. Hey, let's go to dinner. We don't jump on an email chain and say, let's set up a dinner with our friends. But But somehow a lot of lawyers, they walk into a law firm and they just think, no, texting is unprofessional or whatever it may be, but you got to meet your clients where they're at. And our clients, a lot of our clients, especially in a contingency fee practice are, are not going to have some, you know, professional way, whatever you want to call it, or have three hours to come in in the middle of the day to sit in your office and ask discovery questions. And this way through text, they're just answering them on their lunch break. I've had clients tell me like, this was great. I had my lunch break. I was able to answer your questions. And then I finished up at home. And it's it's just easier for them, which is the goal here. Yeah, we, we've found that as well. We Our case management software allows us to text people directly. And you find, particularly on the intake side, if you've got a new potential client, you call them, you don't get a call back, or you, you know, miss the call, or you email them, and it could be a week or two weeks for them to get their email, or they never get it, never respond. If you text somebody, they usually respond in 30 seconds. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's nothing wrong with using text to communicate with your client. We'd like to thank the sponsors of the Elevate podcast, Steno, national court reporting service that allows trial lawyers to defer the costs of court reporting until the end of the case. Take a look, steno.com. And by LawPods. LawPods is the podcast production company that we use to produce the show that produces uh, podcasts for lawyers all over the country. They have an expertise in podcasting and the law. Check them out at lawpods.com. So what Rahul and and company convinced you to uh, join PSBR? That sounds like a good deal for them. What what are you what are you helping them do over there? Or is that a trade secret that we can't know about? You know, I, I still haven't figured it out. I haven't been here that long. And 
I'm still, I'm still getting my sea legs, but you know, the way I looked at it, obviously had a lot of respect for the firm, even before I joined and, and knew what they do. And to me, it's like, they're the 91 bulls, the 01 Lakers. And if they want you to come and join them, how do you say no? And would that make Rahul Scottie Pippen or Jordan or what? What? That's a setup question. He's not answered that one. <laughs> I make no oh, comments yeah. on that. <laughs> no, it's been great having Pratik around. So, one more question on on just the concept of technology, because personally, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of utilizing technology, and always have been, but it can be a dangerous proposition at times where you just can't be open arm to every single piece of technology and it could cause a lot of problems. But with concepts like this, Esquire tech, there's, you know, remote depositions, all of these things, it seems like to me that the pandemic and causing the shutdown of interaction, physical interaction with people has maybe open the doors to lawyers accepting technology more than they did before. Have you experienced that on, on Esquire tech? A hundred percent. I think that with the pandemic forcing everybody to adopt technology and I mean, lawyers were super resistant to using zoom for a deposition. I mean, I couldn't imagine in 2019 trying to convince opposing counsel to do a deposition via zoom. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, every, everything should be zoom. And so there's no argument that having that forced adoption definitely sped up lawyers' adoption of technology. But you make a great point, Rahul, in that you can't be open armed to everything, especially in that the fact that we are lawyers and we're handling our clients' personal information and cases. It can be very dangerous if you're just ready to jump on the next bandwagon every time something new comes out. So it's good to have this cautious excitement of new technology that comes out and trying things and testing things is always good. But yeah, you, you do want to do it cautiously. And one of the things that was important to us in that sense is we made sure we were HIPAA compliant, even though we're not handling medical information. And even though we're not subject to HIPAA, as Ben knows, we did that anyways, because we wanted to give that confidence to our clients. So we have a third party auditing company that came and audits that comes and audits us every 90 days to make sure we stay in compliance. And we get to have the logo on our on our website that says that we are. So those are those are the kind of things that I think are super important to look for. You know, SOC one, SOC two compliance. Make sure data is secure. That you're in control of your data as a lawyer. That the company is not in control of their data. Like you have the ability to delete and shred, and it's not recoverable by subpoena if necessary, which is all possible with us. And these are the things we thought about a lot before we launched because exactly right is. Well, one, from a company perspective, I don't want that liability. And secondly, I want to be able to give people that confidence. And so, yeah, I mean, to the short answer to your question is absolutely. The pandemic sped everything up. And I think people are a little bit more, and especially lawyers are a little bit more open to new and different ideas and ways of pushing their practice forward. I also think that was combined perfectly with this push recently over the last few years of a lot of people wanting to start their own practice, right? I started mine back in 2012, but it feels like over the last couple of years, the barrier to entry of starting your law firm has pretty much disappeared. And part of that is because of technology. So I think a lot of lawyers that want to start their own practice have become eager 
to pick up the new technology because they want to be able to compete. But yeah, there's definitely a red flag to, there's definitely a warning to be heated. Does the Esquire tech, is that its own standalone platform? Or does that integrate with uh, various trial management software platforms, uh, Microsoft, Outlook, SharePoint, that kind of thing? And is it is the data all kept in the cloud? How does that work? Yeah, great question. So everything it lives on AWS. And the way it works on the back end is they live on these things. The data lives in things called S buckets is where the data points go, different for each firm, each file. And there's a button right inside the platform that says shred discovery. So if you want to just get rid of it, uh, once you're done and you've got your Word document printed, you just click the shred discovery and it deletes it out of even the S bucket. And so it's totally secure that way. To answer the question on integration, we are working on integrations. We're not integrated yet. We know that that's super important to be integrated with certain case management softwares. We've been in talks with Filevine. We've been in talks with CasePeer, MyCase. I've had some preliminary talks with Litify. You know, I think there was a balance there in that, you know, we launched December of 2020. So we launched right in kind of the middle of the pandemic. And I think a lot of these platforms, they want to see a little bit of traction first, right? Because just like lawyers have to be a little bit cautious of jumping on the newest technology, these platforms that have hundreds and tens of thousands of users can't just come and adopt and integrate with every new piece of technology that's out there. So they want to see that, you know, hey, you've got a nice base of lawyers that use you, that like you, that see value in what you're providing. Okay, now let's kind of bring you into our fold and see how you fit into our ecosystem. So we've kind of gotten to that stage now where we've proven ourselves, for lack of a better term, um, and the conversations have started. Some are further along than others, but those conversations are all going on to become integrated with all of these case management softwares. It's been a fun ride to see how different people run their practices and to see kind of where we can help and where technology can help. There's a lot of times users will make suggestions and we're open to all suggestions. Like a lot of time, we didn't start off with just ha with having a, a solution for verifications, right? For example, in California, we need the clients to sign that the answers are under the penalty of perjury. We, we originally had the document conversion, the, the objections and the text messaging feature. And a lot of users will told us, hey, you know, this is something that's really kind of a pain. So we were able to add that where we can just send a link to our client. They can review the answers, sign with their finger and verifications come right back with all the metadata stored where it's supposed to be stored. So just want to flash all the way back. You're a fellow UC Riverside alum and then a fellow South Asian lawyer. What's your family background relative to the practice of law and how did you even decide to get into the world of law and litigation? and trial work? Great question. Zero family background in law other than my dad, I think got ripped off by a lawyer when he was young, when I was younger. And I, that was probably my only exposure to a lawyer back when I was a kid, but yeah, zero family members in law. You know, my parents kind of common story that we hear all the time. They're first generation immigrants. They came here, struggled, tried to make a living and wanted their kids to be educated and successful. My sister went to pharmacy school and became a pharmacist. I was in the South Asian community. It's kind of a running joke that all their parents want them to go into medicine or something medicine related. And my parents were no different. They wanted me to go to medical school. That was their dream, but that wasn't for me. And when I thought about what I really enjoyed doing or what I really 
where I thought I could make a difference and, and where I didn't want other people like my dad to get ripped off. And to me, that was law. And when I got to law school and I really got involved in the classes and mock trial and all that stuff, I was like, yeah, this is this is where I'm supposed to be and this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I really fell in love with trial work, you know, honestly, in mock trial and law school. I, I went to try out for mock trial only because one of my friends was going to try out. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. You know, who knows? And then I tried out and I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And then I started interning at the DA's office right away because that's what I wanted to do. Graduated, got a job at the DA's office, tried my first jury trial, my third week as a lawyer, all the way to verdict by myself and was doing a jury trial every month up there until I realized that wasn't for me, that DA's office wasn't for me, but really enjoyed being in the courtroom, really enjoyed trying cases. And with civil work, I enjoy trying cases, but there's a lot of paperwork that start that comes into it before you get to be in the courtroom trying cases. At the DA's office, they just hand you a file and say, go pick a jury. And you go pick a jury, and then you're good to go. You don't have to sit through 85 depositions on a case. Do you remember your first trial in the district attorney's office? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was my third week as an attorney. I got sworn in. So what was the charge? It was just a simple DUI. And I remember in chambers when we were discussing motions in limb with the judge, the public defender on the other end, within five minutes of sitting there, he goes, well, I know it's Mr. Shaw's first jury trial, so you know, if he needs more experience. And I was like, come on, man, why you got to call me out like that right in front of everybody? But, you know, it worked out because the judge realized it was my first trial and made some nice comments at the end, which is always good, but got a guilty verdict, which is what the goal is. But yeah, it was just a simple DUI. And there were some some complications to it, but but not a ton. You know, looking back, it was a very simple case. Obviously, if they give it to a three-week lawyer, they're not giving you the most complicated case to go try. And that was what gave me peace when I walked in, right, was, you know what, if this person was a real serious danger to society, they aren't giving it to me, the three-week lawyer, to go try this case. So just go try it, do your best, and let's see what happens. And then um, circling back to Ben's question, no trade secrets here, why did you decide to join the firm and... Um, what parts about your role here at the firm are kind of match with what you enjoy about the practice of law? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, you know, Rahul, you and I talked a lot over the course of several months before I made the decision to leave my firm. It wasn't an easy decision. I had a business partner. I enjoyed working with him. He's a great dude. We still talk all the time. And, you know, the firm was in a position with eight or nine employees. So it wasn't like we could just wind down the firm or just shut it down we had to figure out kind of a succession plan for it to keep going, which we did. We promoted one of our uh, associates to partner and the firm keeps going. I joined Panache Boyle Ravapudi. Kind of a funny story. And I don't even know if I've told you this before, Rahul, but probably about two years before I joined the firm or before you even approached me about joining the firm, Arthur and I would be sitting around having a beer and we're like, man, could you imagine ever leaving your own firm, this and that? And I'm like, probably the only job would be at PSBR. And then it was like nine months later where we started talking. And I was like, I felt like LeVar Ball speaking it into existence. You know, it was crazy. And so, you know, it's it's always, if you're a plaintiff's lawyer, I mean, at the end of the day, you're a plaintiff's lawyer, you want to play at the highest level. You want to play at the championship level. 
to me that, you know, I don't want this to turn into a commercial for PSBR, but that's just what this is. This is the highest level. And to be able to come into a role here where I can kind of help support litigation, you know, so my role as the associate director of litigation is to help kind of support all the litigators there in any way that we can, whether that is to help find experts, uh, help with mediation, help, you know, manage relationships with referral attorneys and give updates to them or check with intake and make sure that, you know, it's a case that PSBR wants to take. That's really kind of how I see my role here as kind of a, a, a support in litigation. And, and, I, and I love it because what it allows me to do is it allows me to see every case, be involved in cases, but not have to go through those 85 depositions that we talked about. Well, I, I can say just from this short discussion with you that they are very lucky to have you. And I'm sure you will bring great value and identify some efficiency gains probably through on the uh, similar to what you did with Esquire Tech. I'm kind of in a similar boat to you in the sense that I, well, I, I left a, a larger firm and started my own firm. And it's definitely true that this is a great environment to do that. A lot of people have said, Ben, you must have been crazy to start a firm in the middle of the pandemic. But I think it's exactly the opposite because there's so many advantages now with the technology, with Zoom meetings and trials, uh, with a change in the culture of the way this business is practiced that is much more advantageous to a small practice. And you can really leverage yourself into having a much bigger footprint, even with just a few people. But I'm imagining with that vision that you bring to a larger, already successful, very successful firm, that uh, that seems like a really great fit because you're bringing that mindset, kind of that entrepreneurial, small firm mindset to a bigger firm. And sometimes when you're bigger, you, you can become a little bit complacent or not feel the need to push the envelope because you have so many advantages. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out, but I imagine it'll be great. It was really nice to meet and talk to you this morning. Though I learned a lot, and I'm excited to check out Esquire Tech. I'm going to ask my paralegal, well, assuming we can get it rolled out here in Maine, and if you guys want help with that, uh, feel free to reach out to us. But it does sound like a really, you know, instead of hiring that next paralegal, if you can make your existing staff more efficient, that's also a huge cost benefit for us smaller practitioners. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. Thanks, Pratik, for joining us. No, thanks so much for having me on and, and appreciate all the questions and insight. Really, thank you. For more information about today's guests and the topics discussed on the show, please visit our website at www.elevate.net. That's E-L-A-W-B-A-T-E dot net, where you'll find guest profiles and show notes, and you can continue the conversation by joining our Facebook group. And if you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you'll subscribe and consider giving us a five-star review. So for now, keep on working to elevate your trial law practice, and we'll see you back again soon.